Praise God. I know that's right. No matter how hard it's Thanks for calling Hope for Maintenance. We have to finish it. There's so much As we lay. Same. We haven't done this thing off in a while. Because it was terrible. It Ooh, just wasn't going anywhere. A, Christmas, a holiday version. Let's, let's Ooh, make a holiday. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Right now? Yeah, yeah, right now. Chestnuts roasting mm. on an open fire. Mm. Jiggity Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Ooh. Ooh. All right. Ooh. Mm. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> I was so in it, too. Something is up on. at your nose. <laughs> what you got? Hang on. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Mm. Jumping around at the Christmas tree. Have a happy holiday. They hate it. No, I'm words. I don't know words. Me neither. Lene, go and let me collect myself. Um, <clears throat> are the words in the room with us? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, hang all the mistletoe. I'm gonna get to know. This Christmas fireside is blazing bright. And we'll be doing And we're caroling through the That's all I got. Night. I didn't give you a Come on. And, and this Christmas Come on. will be a very special We skipped all holiday. And that's okay. Beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, yams, hams, turkey, oh, dogs, oh. beans, greens, potatoes, turkey, you name it. Okay. okay. Cool. Well, right. well, happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Hope for Maintenance. Apolog- the what? Apolicus? Yeah. Apolicus. Apolicus. The podcast oh. where we hold for maintenance. Yeah. Mm, my name is Lene Vene. I'm Sim Simma. I'm Obio. Mm. And we are so sorry for making you whole for maintenance last week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I just want everyone to know we showed up to do the podcast. I have it on video. We did. Mm-hmm. We did, did anyone else? No, mm. because it was closed. And that yeah. was our fault. To be fair, you know? they did let us know. We, no, we, they sure. did let us know. That it was, was not even on our calendar and we showed yeah. up anyway. Sure. So we are going to double up um, the next opportunity we get and give you guys two episodes in a week to make it up to you. Love and that. yeah. So maintenance check. How are y'all feeling? I'm feeling better. I was a little testy this morning. I was a little testy <laughs> a little? this morning. Okay. <laughs> just a little bit. And I, you know, had a bone to pick with any and everyone. Um, mm-hmm. It's my time of the month. And it's really messing with me. Mm-hmm. I'll come on this podcast every 28 days and let you know the older that you get, the worse. It is nobody told me. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. But I particularly had a bone to pick with this well-meaning white woman in Target. Because she meant too well. Mm. <laughs> yeah, okay. erroneously. So there I was, leaving Target, minding my business, mm-hmm. pushing a cart. I overheard a black girl, and I saw this black girl, light skin, looked like she carried a backpack, if you know what I'm saying. Okay. Big Afro puff into a ponytail situation. Yeah? Black hoodie, gray sweatpants, light skin, big Afro puff, hoodie, Light skin, big Afro puff hoodie. I'm just repeating the details that matter. So I keep on moseying on out and I have to do a little thing where I get my cart ready to go down the cart escalator. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Atlantic Station. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Wow. Telling everybody where we at. But oh, cool. Sorry. Thanks. <laughs> Anyways. So then okay. I get it. And by the time I'm already stepped on the escalator myself, this white woman's behind me. She's like, oh, no, no, you go ahead. And I said, oh, thanks. And she said, and by the way, what can I, what, how can I help you? I said, huh? What I overheard this other black girl having conversation about was just looking for something in particular. And someone was providing her with directions. And she said, um, yeah, I thought you needed directions back there. Mm. Me? Light skin. Afro the dark skin girl? What were you wearing? With the this? locks? Brown. With a brown situation going on? We don't look alike. Mm. And you meaning your most as a white woman did the worst <laughs> and confused two different black girls and just thought we was the same. And I'm just like, what are you talking about? I thought you were asking for directions. No. I clocked out when you said looks like she carries a backpack. <laughs> I just wanted it to be clear I, that there was a stark I, difference. But that's when I clocked out. Just you know. Stark difference. That's when I clocked out. I stark difference. I clocked out. Stark difference. The clock was out. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing better. I got. I came home and I took a nap. Uh huh. Oh, good. Yeah. Did you do it to the flutes? I didn't do it to the flutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You should later. All right. Mm-hmm. I have heard the flutes though. The flutes are were they nice. good. They were cool flutes. Okay. Cool. Mm-hmm. Love a flute. Mm-hmm. How you doing? I'm good. I feel amazing. Um, I was up late last night organizing my bathroom, and it brought me so much joy. Mm. Like I'm an elderly person at this point, but yeah, I was mm-hmm. up uh, cleaning, and it made me feel really good. Woke up really good because I woke up in just organization. Uh. Oh, I almost got too real. Um, I'm, do- <laughs> I'm doing something I've been wanting to do for the past couple months. Um, yeah. In a second, so I'm excited about that. Uh, I had something I wanted to say and I forgot it. Dang. But yeah, just feeling good. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. You look about. very snazzy today. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Very Thank like, yeah. We're trying to do something. Mm-hmm. I actually popped a bump the other day. Mm. Um, it's gonna. Oh, pause, you guys. Wait, did we actually do this already? They were all on YouTube. Did yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was gonna wait to remember. Sorry, yeah. but yeah. So <laughs> I, it's in, I remember it's in, it's in the video. Anyways, I popped this bump. Right. I think I told you. It's, I popped. So this bump came on my face, guys. It was on my cheek, and it was like wanting to fight. And so I'm like, you know, hey, if you don't mind, could you like just like you know just be a little quieter? We're trying to like conduct business. And the bump is like, no, I can't. So I'm like, okay, you know, if you just don't mind, like, I, you know, I'm talking to people. If you can just not yell at them as well, I wouldn't mind. And then I was like, no, I'm yelling. Okay, so like, okay, cool. So I go and get aggressive, and I pop it. Dun 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 dun. Pop it, you know, and you know, you know how Lene's every twenty eight days has a situation going okay. on. Mine was the gates, and it was just oh. like it was coming down. Oh no! Absolutely, praise God! I popped the life out of this. Bump. Okay. <laughs> so I put some skin tight on that joint. The bump turns gray. What? Whoa. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> what's happening with the skin now? So now I got a little dark mark happening, which is fine. Um, and I, cause I've been on my niacinamide kick, which I think is the the, the kind of thing of my mm. routine that I added that helps. But the bump was not, it wanted to really go to town with me. Mm-hmm. We were in there really going at it. Mm-hmm. I put a bandit over my cheek to go to bed. Because mm-hmm. again, it would have just been a bloodbath. And I just... I wanted to point out that the bump was giving me a, a bit of a of a time. But okay. No. Yeah, praise God. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm glad you've been delivered. Thank I'm you. I'm glad you made it out. Me too. Yeah. It was close. Mm-hmm. It was touch and go. Mm-hmm. 
I'm embarrassed because I heard this story already and oh. I'm still like oh, okay. falling over. Um, very good storytelling though, friend. Thank you, you. You did that. Thank you. It's an actor. J.K. Rowling. <laughs> mm. So maintenance checks, maintenance check for me. <clears throat> you know, life is just you know doing it. You was having a blast. You had a time last I night. I had a time. You look last so night. cute too. Mm-hmm. Thank Love you. Love you in blue. So cute. Thank you. I think blue is my color. I'm not gonna lie. Oh my god, I'm wearing blue again. Um, but yeah, I had a time last night. I went to a little shindig. I'll tell you guys about it offline. Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm gonna do a vlog about it. I don't mm-hmm. want to say too much, but mm-hmm. um. I am learning what things are for me and what things are not, but are still good regardless. Okay. So, like, in the foodie world, it's just you're tasting and eating all of these things. But sometimes, um, maybe not, maybe, maybe not for me. Okay. So, but I still had an amazing time. And I've been having an amazing time just, like, going out, doing my YouTube things. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really feeling the the sting of life anymore. I love that. I'm just out here. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of which, YouTubers, do you want to talk about our YouTube journey now? And how? Not even not while you eating it up. I'm not eating it up. The people on on YouTube hate me. They don't watch it. They're like, she's not talking about systemic oppression. Get me out of here. It's called getting a new audience. Yeah, we'll wait on them to show up. (laughs) What's crazy is like roll the clip and look at Lene's. Um, video and the fact that her face is like this about it, her energy is like this about it. When she is literally killing, she's the best YouTuber that I've oh. ever experienced. All right, we just she's started. eating it up. We just started. That's fine, everybody. But how are you feeling? We just started. <laughs> we just started. We'll see what happens next week. Yeah. That, oh um, yeah. We just started our journey. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, not too much on us because mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a good um, start though. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to give two disclaimers because I was listening back to our podcast. I listened to it maybe twice because we didn't do one last week. So I know you guys probably listened to it twice as well. Um, and I just wanted to say that there was a point in time where it was getting spicy, it was getting hectic, and I was trying to make a point. Um, to Obio, and I misspoke and said that I do not like Megan's music. That is not the case. Oh, I did say that. I said it like a blanket statement. That is not the case. I love Megan Thee Stallion. I was trying to make a point about the particular song that Sim and I both had a Mm. less Mm. enthusiastic response about. Got it. The second thing, you said Stephen King, and when you said it in the studio, I was like, the man who wrote it. I knew that was wrong. The man who wrote it? Um, The horror writer guy? So Stephen King... No, Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith yes. is who you were talking about. And then Stephen I King responded saying that I believe he hates women. And I was wrong about that as well. Oh, good. I think okay, it's I Shannon like Sharp. I just knew it was like an old football player that was it's... that gets on the internet and is kind of loud. I know Shannon Sharp doesn't allow women to pass gas around him. I All right. Well, yeah. So there's that. Just wanted to put those disclaimers in, everybody. But moving along, to since you guys don't write us customer service letters anymore... Well, not that we on. deserved one since last week, so yeah, maybe we'll earn you back yeah. this week. All right. All right. Well, it's time for Niggas Online. Yeah. yeah. Where were you at? He never uh, joins online. I didn't know app. the key. I'm not going to lie. It's okay. I didn't know a key. You and it's the same key. key every time. Give me the key. Niggas Online. Did we do, was that harmony? I don't know. It was dancing. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not get too jazzy. Got it, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, what would a harmony be? Go take it again, Sam. I'm gonna try to give you a harmony. I want a two, 
A one, two, three, and a nigga's online. I went to chorus class <laughs> in the seventh grade. That's all I'm saying. I don't know what I was doing because mm. I wasn't where you were. That's, that's good. You both hold your right. Note. Yeah. Oh, you stay where you were. That's how harmonies work. Got Absolutely. it. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're learning things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> the niggas are nigging online. Okay. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, really, we stick to three topics, but today we have a couple things we want to just briefly discuss. So we're going to get in and get out. Okay. You guys ready? Yeah. All right. Let's start with number one. So Andre 3000 just recently dropped a new album called New Blue Sun, mm-hmm. and it is a flute album. Mm-hmm. And in the description, he says, guys, I really did want to make a rap album, but it just ended up being this. It's just so cute. <laughs> That's so funny. It's so, well, you know, I've always been um, Andre 3000 fan. I just think like him and whatever he puts out is just so dope and creative and artsy. But one thing before I give you guys the tea about what we're going to talk about today, he said he was like kind of apprehensive about putting this out, like being famous again. Like maybe you never saw being famous, but like just being in that space again, um, that was a thing for him. So yeah. he goes, he puts himself out there and he does this thing that like nobody's ever done for real or like nobody is expecting from him. Mm-hmm. And the response that he gets is a bunch of people saying that the flu album was demonic. All right, we're done with this one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Give, give me some more. Say some more. So um, we had a couple people who were saying, you know, you got to be really careful listening to that type of music. You know, the people he was around when he created this um, and just the way that flutes? like the. No- Wait, the type of music being flutes? Just flutes. Okay. Flutes. Okay. Flutes. And I was telling Lene about it. And when I went to go and find the post where it was like thousands of people were like, thank you, sis, for sharing this. Like. This really got me, you know, I almost was out here listening to music that could have trapped me in a, in a, a what is it, what do they call it, in a trance and blah, blah, okay. blah. Um, It was a bunch of people agreeing with this. Now, TikTok, when Andre 3000, um, New Blue Sun is Demonic started trending, the TikTok girls went on and was like, all right, now y'all are really doing too much. They started to speak against it and say anybody that feels some type of way about this music because it's peaceful there's a demon in you mm-hmm. that you need to wrestle with and now i can't find any of it so it is what it is but i was almost scared i'm not gonna lie because it was like so much i just don't t- and maybe this isn't the way to go about it but people have overused the the trope of demonic music so much in the in the music sphere of influence that i just i don't believe anybody now. and it's not even that like what is there to believe you know yeah. i don't know like when we we talked last episode about people being unable to separate individuals and like art mm-hmm. but i feel like this is one of those instances where if you know what person's belief system you know they would never create something that is harmful or whatever um but yeah i'm just sick and tired and then anytime something is contrary and anything anytime something is different and we spoke yeah. about that earlier yeah. um when we were talking about the beyonce album like beyonce put out a different kind of music and now all of a sudden there is this like onslaught like yes people started to say things after lemonade but there's this onslaught of how the music tempo and the beats and the different interlaced things there are messages behind like shut up are you bored Yes, Shut up. They are bored. But I'm not surprised because once upon a time in a, in a land far, far away, mm. people used to actually be killed for saying scientific facts. Like that was a thing before. Witchcraft. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like it's just unfortunate that we're in 2023 and we still haven't like escaped that same idea of this is different. Demons, devil. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, listen, go for it. So I'm excited to go ahead and listen to the album. If you haven't, definitely go ahead and listen. I've heard a couple notes and and it sounds really good. And it seems like it's a really great relaxation tool for those of you who just want to take a nice deep sleep or just be peaceful or enjoy lo-fi music. So Mm. do that. I love that. He's part of the people that I respect. Mm-hmm. Like their gift. If, if I don't like it, I respect it. Mm-hmm. Him, mm-hmm. him, Tierra Wack, mm-hmm. um, Erica Badu. Um, mm-hmm. Those are part of yeah, my for people sure. who I just have to respect your gift. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. They're so them. And I'm sad. Like, I don't. He didn't make a rap album. Okay, fine. Hopefully one day he does. He said he didn't make the rap album because he doesn't have the same shit to talk about. Yeah. But that man is something serious on mm-hmm. the lyrics and if mm-hmm. he ever decides i'll be the first to download such a gift yeah such a yeah. Gift. i hope he writes a book of poetry Ooh, yeah i would live such Ooh. A gift. all right what well <clears throat> next on the roster is kiki palmer okay um because we weren't here last week so we didn't get to speak about it so i just wanted to do a quick rundown um and discuss some of the things that we've already discussed in our group chats and our personal you know lives so by now everybody knows what's going on um kiki palmy kiki palmy mm-hmm. delete it the bug is on all of us today take it out um kiki palmer filed for full custody of her child mm-hmm. um and i believe she did win that case mm-hmm. darius still is going to be getting visitation um but the reason why she filed that is because he i don't i really don't want to use allegedly when we saw the yeah, content that man put his hands on Kiki mm-hmm. and should be under the jail. Mm-hmm. And so there have been several things that have come up, conversations between her, him, and her mom. Um, her mom just going on social media and kind of going in on Darius's brother. Darius putting out, like, content about how, you know, he going to be there for his son regardless. The brother talking about how this is not an unhealthy home for the child because of both parties. So it's real nasty. It's real crazy. Oh, and it's really insane. So stop being a dweeb. What were y'all thoughts on that? Stop being a dweeb. Okay. And, to Darius. Uh-huh. And um, I don't know. It's unfortunate and it's always going to be unfortunate every time it happens to a woman. The conversation feels redundant. Mm-hmm. And it only feels redundant because we keep having to have the same conversation in defense of women. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel like every time we see a new abuser come to light, there's any less of a backlash that comes from men who want to support abusers. Yeah. Because yeah. even around this situation, <laughs> damn if you do, damned if you don't, Kiki, not even Kiki directly, but people having conversation about Kiki are saying, y'all really worried about a, uh, this woman who has money? she got hit like come on let's move on like when are we gonna care when are we just gonna care because in so many situations oh the woman did this oh we don't have proof of that we see proof she's got money i'm confused when are we just gonna care about the women being beat and it's always not gonna be your sister it's always not gonna be your mother but it's always gonna be allowed to happen to a stranger and that's the part that's irritating for me and more than irritating infuriating um but also, like, and it, it's even more infuriating, and this is not to trivialize what we're talking about, but when you're a dweeb, mm-hmm. did we hear the man, like, in the conversation, like, yes, mom said some problematic things. 
that shan't be excused. But also hearing him speak, he sounds like someone who is unwell. He sounds like someone who is insecure. He sounds like someone who is delusional. He sounds like someone who just wants to have dominance for dominance sake. Um, We did hear through the grapevine that he and his brother grew up in an abusive household, that his brother's ex-girlfriend had some things to say about the brother's behavior. And I just wish, and I feel like I said it last week, like famous people would stop being horrible or like horrible people would stop trying to be famous. Correct. I wonder if the torch is helpful. What I mean by torch is I think sometimes in these moments we tend to highlight what this means for black women, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And I think we lose the victim in the space. You know, mm-hmm. I think we, like, this is about Kiki Palmer's experience right now. Mm-hmm. And as necessary as it is to highlight the fact that this happens to black women, this is happening to Kiki Palmer. Mm-hmm. And I think we sometimes forget the individual at play because she wasn't trying to carry the torch for black women in abuse. Mm-hmm. She was trying not, to, I'm sure she was trying not to be abused at all. Right. And now I'm being abused and now I have to hold the lantern for, oh, she wasn't lying when she brought out Trey Songz a few years ago. Or, oh, she, whatever, even mm-hmm. if, I'm, if I'm affirming her or not, we're losing the fact that this is happening to her. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of why she seems to be quiet in these moments mm-hmm. because it seems to be bigger than her anyway. You know, mm-hmm. we, we tend to forget who this is affecting in a really real specific way, in a right now way too cool that we could highlight the fact that the abuse is happening in the community and we can shed some light on that and work to you know mitigate it but i just wish that sometimes in these moments we would take a second to really get into the fact that this is happening to an individual person right now and yeah. she has her own experience with this right now and she's not probably thinking about the plight of black women she's thinking about her own personal health her mm-hmm. own kid that she just had her own you know mental well mental well-being and that kind of thing so uh i just hope that she's okay and i hope that she could find solace in this season, because I know it's a lot. You know, mm-hmm. you have to navigate a lot of things that a lot of normal people, I'm using normal with air quotes, have to navigate. And it's tough when you're not living a normal, another air quote, life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It ain't easy. You got to pick up and go. And no, and honestly, if we're being really, really frank, it sounds really harsh, but no one really cares. Yeah. We, they want what they want from you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you must be on a, you have a booking tomorrow, come on, girl. Yeah. Saw the headline, but are you going to still come to the booking or right. you still mm-hmm. do the show? You still do the thing? You still going to be doing And Kiki, stay booked. I'm sure she's working on a whole bunch of projects right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm extra pissed. I'm sorry, Sam. Go ahead. I'm extra pissed because <laughs> because here we see Kiki getting her flowers in real time mm-hmm. and having her resurgence, having you know the people take her seriously, like yeah. her her undeniable talent shining through in this moment. And here he comes attached to it all, shining a negative light on it, number one, but also we saw how the manipulation was working throughout because if we can recall the post, right before the post, uh, the, the tweet, where, where your clothes at, you a mom, was a post from her saying, I love my man, he's so great, he's held me down and all the things. And to a naked eye and with the first smile, you might be mad at Kiki because I was, like speaking transparently, I wasn't thinking about the role manipulation played and the role verbal, emotional, and all these different types of abuse that were being played. Like when all the information was available, 
I've seen it so many times, men weaponizing their own mental state and their own mental capacity on women that they care about and love. And I had this girl call me telling me because I was friends with a guy, hey girl, he said he was on the edge of his roof. Can you go get him? Cause I can't, what, what are we talking about? I had an ex of mine tell me like, oh, like I just don't know if I can do this without you. And like, if you leave here, I don't know what I'm gonna do with myself. And I literally had to respond like, damn, I'm really sorry about that. Like, I remember at one point me saying like, I apologize, but I can't carry your emotions because I don't feel good. I don't feel well. Mm -hmm. And I know so many other women whose partners have threatened suicide on them if they threaten to leave them. And so, you know, a lot of it we're socialized to think it's a woman's responsibility to protect herself when there are so many things at play that can cloud our judgment. Mm-hmm. They can cloud the way we present because Kiki is strong. Kiki is tenacious. Kiki is all these things. She also had an abusive partner. And so there's just so many layers to the conversation that the manosphere and the black Twitter sphere is not going to have because people just want to be themselves and they don't want who they are to be threatened by logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just appreciate about the situation the way that she handled it and the fact that whether she knows it or not, she's a big example to many of the people who are in situations like this. When you're in a domestic, domestically violent situation, sometimes it's hard. Situation is sending you. He got the giggles today. Um, when you're in those type of, now I need a synonym for situation. Or you can just put the T in it. <laughs> I've got to stop spinning this microphone. Like where did the Moving D on. situation? <laughs> <laughs> I like what you said though, but it's very loud situation. So when you're in that type of environment, circumstance, circumstance. Thank Sitch. you, friend. Sitch. It's hard to think about yourself. Got mm-hmm. it. Yeah. yeah, because he says on the phone call, you know, I didn't even want this. She's the one who came and running back. She didn't say anything to that because the embarrassing mm-hmm. part is that a lot of times when we are in an abusive relationship, we don't know how to think straight or logically because there's so much emotion that's clouding what we're doing. The first thing that that lady did was get full custody of her baby mm-hmm. because even if I can't be there for me, even if I'm not making the right decisions for me, I can make the right decisions for the other people who are involved. And I think that it's not perfect because domestic violence is not a black and white circumstance. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, I, I think a lot so of much. people can, yeah, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. And there's so many levels to it, emotional um, mental, financial, there's so many levels to abuse and so many things that happen before abuse becomes physical often mm-hmm. that it's it's not for us to say, well, you could have done it this way. Well, why didn't you do that? Everything is, every single one is unique. Yeah. Um, but the fact that she put her kid first and she was able to use that to get herself slowly out of it because she had a baby with this man. She's, she's never going to be fully out of it, but at least her priorities and the people who are close to her can be protected. And that's more than we can say for a lot of things that we see online with these relationships that are super unhealthy. And the kids are smack dead in the middle of it. They're up in the Instagram arguments. They're on the TikTok videos. They're, you know, so I just really commend her for taking such a huge step in such a very hard situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it also highlights, and we can cut it, but I think it, I think it highlights how much emphasis we put on resources mm-hmm. and the lack of emphasis we put on our mental well-being. Mm-hmm. Because I think for someone to say she has money, 
and that being able to do anything for abuse, I don't even know the correlation fully. She has money so she can sustain abuse because what is the, the money's gonna give her access to what to mitigate the abuse, right? Like, you know, how do those two things work in tandem? And I think a lot of people feel like, where well, do you got money? Go buy something nice, go, you live well. I think that's just fine. jealousy. And I, I think it's envy as well. Yeah. But, but, I, but I wonder, and it's funny because this is bringing the thought that I was gonna share in my uh, customer service check or whatever, but I had a moment yesterday where I was just, I had a very lazy day. Mm. Um, I had a guy come to paint my bathroom and I woke up to let him in um, and I just laid on my couch. I fell asleep for two and a half hours and laid on my couch the entire day. So I went to the gym last night at like 8 p.m. and I felt so unworthy of everything. I was mm. I was questioning friendships and the longevity of it. I mean, it was so heavy. Mm. And I was like, what's going on with me? Like, why am I? And but I, I think that it was my wake up call to I tie a lot of my worthiness into productivity. If I can't, about a tangible value mm-hmm. or I'm not getting a tangible value I don't feel worthy almost of existing mm. and I think for so many people we tie who we are to what we do or what we have and I think in these scenarios most people lean on what they've done or what they have as a means to either invalidate or validate whatever they're currently going through mm-hmm. and we see it time and time again because even for me I don't necessarily think because someone was mean or rude they deserve to be abused right and Correct. so we see people oh well she, well she was always she ain't want to do interviews anyway she was always late she was always this I don't care but again like how are we validating someone's abuse mm-hmm. experience and I think it becomes a bigger conversation a little bit about again resources is not going to circumvent Correct. your mental well-being it's just not and it sounds cute because to your point about envy and jealousy you're not there and Correct. so when you, when all you think you're missing is money, you like if you had it, your world would be so amazing, right? Because you know I wouldn't have no problems if I had money. I'm so what if he would be in me? I yeah. have money. Y'all you, sound dumb. You do, but you don't even know how dumb you really sound because you've never been in their shoes. Correct. And probably you never will be because of that logic. Because of that logic. that same logic. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, praying well, for you, Kiki. Hope you. Hope you. you could. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What's an oh, So the last one is. Oof, just keeps on giving them. Mm-hmm. But this one I think is important. It's this one is brief and to the point. So, um the boys are upset with Cassie um for accepting the money from Diddy. They said, Was it even real? Was she making it up? She was only in it for the money. So let's talk about words and how they mean things, right? Okay. It was a civil suit. What happens at the end of a civil suit? Somebody's getting some zero Somebody's coins. getting some money. <laughs> Now, in my brain, mm-hmm. what it translates to that he decided, all right, we just going to come to a settlement. Here goes some money, blah, blah, blah. To me, it sounds like someone is guilty. It sounds like someone is like, I did this. And if this is what you want before this becomes big and nasty, here's the money. And I'm probably going to make you sign an NDA or something so you don't write a book about it or speak about it or whatever he can get out of what. Um, but... Why is the emphasis always on the woman is trying to be conniving and blah, blah, blah? Especially because I don't know if you guys have seen this. There have been several videos that have resurfaced about like 50 cents, for example, speaking about the fact that he saw that footage Mm. and he got in touch with Diddy and was like, before he said anything, he was like, because the footage was sent to him from someone else because he remember he used to run like one of those world star kind of um this is mm. 50 it was like a shade room type of situation so somebody got hold of the footage sent it to him put this up there this is about to go crazy he said hold on wait let me call him and um do you really like this girl do you are you really serious about this girl because if that's the case i don't want to you know put this out there 
and he sent him the footage and Diddy was just like, oh yeah, yeah, thanks man, thanks man, like thanks for looking out. Not on some like, oh, what? What's going on? Was he, you know, this was something footage that- Footage of what? Did they say your boy? The freak offs. Oh. What's a freak off? So, um, something that- was he in would the, have, and I think he just came up with the name Freak Off. That's just what he called it or possibly. told her what it was. Mm-hmm. But he would basically traffic Cassie and in different cities invite male sex overs, sex workers over and make Cassie engage in sex acts with them. He would watch and record it according to the civil suit, Correct. to the allegations. And I'm so glad that you brought up which or I'm so glad that you started with that because it goes back to my point earlier of there never seems to be any less of a backlash toward the black woman in this situation when we continue to see more and more proof of male abuse um, or abuse by men because for a civil suit to be closed immediately, your response shouldn't be she was just in it for the money because that's what a civil suit is for. But also your response should be if someone's closing a civil suit before he gets an opportunity to go to trial, that means they don't want anything that could corroborate the story to, to come out. Correct. But that, that just confirms for you the thing, the agenda about how y'all hate women. Like, I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. And there was another thing we were going to talk about today, but we don't have time. But we, we really got to all go to therapy, y'all. We have to book the appointments. We have to go because... <clears throat> for a woman to be so brave to express these heinous things that were done to her while she was she's in the middle of a, a very successful career just because she's not singing anymore does not mean she's not she's a model she's a mom she's doing you know brand deals and partnerships she has children who can see this information out there someday and she did a very brave thing by saying i'm going to stand up for myself mm-hmm. and i'm going to hold this man accountable and I'm going to put it all out there. And instead of it being like, wow, like, Cassie, I'm, we all knew you were going through something because there were so many things back then where, you know, there was the broken glasses that she said she fell, but really, like, he threw a rock or something at her at, like, at a hotel. Like, there's been so many heinous things that have happened that we all know that I'm Cassie was abused. Him. Correct. We all know that Cassie was abused. We just didn't know what was going on. And now we have the color. It should have been... Baby, I am so sorry that happened to you. I am so sorry. Those of us who were in the room or around and didn't do anything, I am so sorry. But instead it's... And like, and very few things that I agree with men on, but I saw an interview from Kevin Hart on The Breakfast Club from like six years ago. And he was talking about, I think he must have been talking about Bill Cosby. Was R. Kelly six years ago? Was it that long ago? He was talking about someone who was up against some charges that could ruin their legacy. That's a part that I came in on. And he said, but people have a choice whether or not they want to be in the room. Mm. People have a choice that when they see the coat getting lined up, do I want to be in here while they snoring mm-hmm. coat? When they see the sex workers coming in, when they see clothes start to come off, when they see people start kissing in corners in the public, like you have a choice whether or not to stay in the room. And I'm just hoping that shame Shame shouldn't work. Shame shouldn't be a thing in a lot of instances. But this is the only thing that I'm hoping will save women. Well, I don't even know if it's going to save women because I think a lot of these people are just going to take the route of leaving the room rather than bringing the woman out the room with them. Mm. You know, like, but I'm at least saying I'm hoping enough people will have seen 
stories like this come out to when things start happening in the room to say something, to yeah. speak up, to at least be like, it's not it's not going to be said that I was in this room allowing mm. this thing to happen. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Niggas online. That's it. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right, guys, and we're back with our big kahuna of the week. Trigger warning, today's topic is going to be based in sexual abuse amongst black men and specifically childhood sexual abuse. Um, so we're actually flipping the script from where we were earlier in this conversation. So last week when we were going to come to you guys, we wanted to discuss the conversation that happened between Nia Long and Jeezy on YouTube. And it was so rich that we want to make sure we still dug into it. And they were having a conversation about the dynamics between black men and women. So many people are trying to figure it out. And their way of getting into it was to go into specifics of their own personal past to do so. And early on in this conversation, Jeezy revealed that he was molested by a babysitter when he was younger and how that impacted his childhood, along with intimate partner violence he witnessed. Even in this video, he talks about being present when a man was shot in his um, home or he was just present in the home when a man was shot four times and had to hide under a sink until he was found after the fact. So it was a really transparent conversation, open conversation that we're not used to hearing from someone like Jeezy, you know, Atlanta-based rapper. Mm -hmm. There's this persona or this image that we think about when we think about Atlanta-based rappers, especially from the early 2000s, like the gangster, trapping, um, very masculine, very fearless, or even if they are hardened or jaded by life, that's all you see is the hardened part. Um, and I think that's so good because it's going to shed some light on the figure and want to speak about a little bit later but yeah like it's rare that we get to see black people talk about sexual assault amongst men because we there are so many statistics that are often shared about sexual abuse for women um but there's this there is the air of homophobia and queerphobia that prevents black men from even talking about it. And we even hinted on a little bit last week, not necessarily being abused by men in their youth, but even young boys are socialized to think that their early childhood experiences are them getting a one up on the rest of their peers mm -hmm. or them maturing a little bit faster or them like accessing their manhood a little bit sooner. So it's really good and really healthy to see you know, we, we had a conversation about Meek Mill and Rick Ross earlier mm -hmm. about the drug abuse. And so these are things that are giving us a little bit of light. We can be so disappointed in conversations amongst black men on the Internet right now that these conversations are bringing us some light. Um, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Kevin Gates has actually been someone who's spoken about this for a long time. He's he talked about his own sexual abuse in 2021 Um but, you know, Kevin Gates, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, but, you know, Kevin Gates is such a huge personality and very forward about his sexual prowess that I don't think it really gives that room to breathe. And I don't know if that's intentional, mm -hmm. you know, but he talks about dominating women and all the things that he does that, that is sexually exploratory that there isn't really time to rest on him talking about his childhood sexual abuse, but I wanted to read an excerpt from an article in which he talked about it um, because he actually said it on Mike Tyson's podcast. So in 2021, he was on an episode of Mike Tyson's podcast called hot boxing. Mm -hmm. And during this 50 minute conversation, Tyson asked him what led to his rap career. 
And he shared that it was an escape for him. And the quote is, I'm going to say something. I said, I never said this in no interview, no podcast or anything like that. I grew up in a real, real violent. I grew up real, real violent and real aggressive, not because I wanted to be, but because I was molested when I was a child. And so Gates said he had a fear of being vulnerable and he started doing martial arts, but rapping and that form of artistry was always an escape for him. And what I didn't know is that Tyson could actually empathize with him and talks about, um, in 2014, he talked about in an interview on OB radio that he was bullied and sexually abused by an old man who lived in the same neighborhood as him. And that's why he became one of the meanest motherfuckers in the world. Um, and we're not going to let that be an excuse for the reputation we know Mike Tyson to have. I only bring it up to say I'm really trying to be careful about my butts because butts invalidate the first part of the sentence. Mm -hmm. I just bring it up to say it is so important for black men to share their whys so we can get to the root of the why and change it. So, yeah, I said a lot. But um, before we get into the historical connection, I just wanted to bring up the relevance and things like that. Uh, were you guys surprised to hear this from Jeezy? No? I w I'm not. Um, I did want to say something, though, in response to what you said when you were saying, you know, not making an excuse for. I think that what's really great about this time in our culture is that we're having conversations about accountability consistently. Mm -hmm. But what is really stressful sometimes is that we don't leave space for human mm. because we have to give the disclaimers of like okay i'm not making an excuse mm -hmm. because we know someone out there is probably going to be offended like oh so you're saying that it was okay for mike tyson to do such and such because blah, blah, blah. and we have to really leave room in the conversation for knowing what the subject matter is at hand mm. and so with these conversations bringing it back to am i surprised i'm not surprised because I grew up hanging around a lot of hood dudes and we used to have a lot of candid conversations because we used to cipher all the time. Um, and anybody who knows, like if you, you got your cipher group when it's time to cipher, we just talking and just things are coming up. Sometimes a lot of things come up that you didn't even expect to have conversations about. And I remember having the conversations about like people's first times and this and that. And the first time that it it dawned on me, like, a lot of these people think that they was fucking. And that's, that lady was grown. Yeah. You were a baby. And it was almost like, <clears throat> it was almost like, I don't know if they were saying that because instead of being ashamed of it, they would rather just like own it. And make it into a, a story that they could be excited about. But it's very common. Most guys that I have conversations with, even to this day, when you ask them about their first time, like it's it's usually my mom's friend or the babysitter or, you know, I used to have this older cousin. Like it's it's always like it's often not always because there's also, you know, male abusers as well. But it's just very interesting and weird to me, the group of like older women who take advantage of young people that I don't think we talk about enough. So, so yeah, I'm not surprised. I don't think that, I don't think boys get to be boys very long. Mm. <clears throat> kind of period, you know, I think and I, and I think it's almost like a stark difference in how we socialize young girls. I think when I, in my experience of young girls, especially when they're doing things that 
are quote unquote grown, they are shamed for it. You for it, you know. Go put on something that is more, you know, youth <coughs> or you know whatever. And for boys, they're shamed often very quickly for doing things that boys do. Mm. Why are you crying? Toughen up, man up. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very interesting. To me, it doesn't even necessarily. It's not unbelievable. Yeah. That they're having these experiences with older women, or that you know they're socialized in that way because I think it happens very, very early on for young boys to start to identify as men and, you know, have to, you know, whatever, you know, the boyhood doesn't last long. So I, I think it sucks, but I, I am glad that we're having more conversations about it. I wonder how in-depth these conversations actually are because I was having a conversation recently about representation and not to sound harsh, but representation is, isn't half the battle, in my opinion. It's just, mm. I think we bank on representation because a lot of us are a little lazy, if I'm being brutally honest. I think mm. it's just easier to call something representation than actually do the work. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. at least I saw, you saw some black folks. <clears throat> we breached the conversation. I brought it up. Yeah, but then like, what's part two and three and four and five? And so I think these conversations, because I don't think we had any, in my opinion, we haven't had, we haven't, we haven't had a lot of new conversations. Yeah. It keeps just a resurgence of the same conversation. Yeah. Different people, same core. The same thing. I agree. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that's a reflection of like the issues that are plaguing our time. Yeah. Because we try to keep it topical, but no, I agree. And that's why I really wanted to talk about this when we had opportunity to do some other things, but this is a new perspective. And I actually had a conversation with someone earlier. I was doing an interview where I said that representation is one thing but black faces aren't enough black experiences are and that's where we get into the that's how we discover blackness is not a monolith by getting into black experiences because if we were to do that and to do it transparently and thoroughly we'd see we have a lot more in common yeah than we think we do and we'd also get to see just like we want just like we make art we don't make art because but a consequence of our art is non-black people getting a window into our world and that facilitating growth in that area or or facilitates a little bit more closeness or understanding we got to do that intrinsically internally agreed yeah um i don't know this this conversation hits home it hits home a lot um i was abused when i was at a babysitter I would go to a family member's home and who was supposed to be in charge of me or like responsible for me was the oldest woman in the house. And there were, there was a lot of, there were a lot of things at play. I was, I was in the care of an older woman. Um, I was in the care of an older woman. There was a woman in the home who was bedridden and then there was her daughter. There were two daughters and one daughter had, I believe she was on the spectrum um, of autism. And you have all this going on in a very small home and then you have small children there. And so it was the one, the the eldest of the daughters who abused several of us um, that I came to learn through being exposed to different people or different, one of my cousins who already knew what time it was, so to speak. Mm-hmm. and. I find it very interesting listening to you guys talk about just any any familiarity with this type of conversation, but my 
my past dealings with abuse have become so matter of fact that I'm able to speak about them in really matter of fact ways. Like it's a thing that happened. I know it happens to other people. It's important to share because visibility and representation, but I don't really know what effect it has on me anymore. I think the last time that I felt a visceral effect on it is when I spoke about it in your home. I don't know if you remember when I did that recently, but it's just so common and it's so interesting. And to your point, I don't think we talk about enough how many women engage in this type of abuse because when we get down to talking about the facts and the facts of childhood sexual abuse in black families actually surprise me, but only 14% of sexual abusers that have been reported in black families are men. So that means the overwhelming majority are women. And I'm, I'm make sure that I'm going to read that right. But I start at the top, you know, I'll use this as a segue to say that I thought that given all the parameters of the abuse that I experienced, like I said, older woman in the home, bedridden person, a child on the spectrum, I'm thinking things like poverty. I'm thinking things like um, lack of resources. I'm thinking things like just all of these things that existed in this one home contribute to me having this experience as a young black girl and being alone and no one knowing about it. But actually, while one in four black women and one in six black men reported having been sexual abused as a child, the studies show that black kids are victims of sexual abuse at about the same rate as white kids. Mm. I did not know that. And all this is coming from a book that's written that was written by journalist Robin D. Stone in 2004 called No Secrets, No Lies, How Families Can Heal from Sexual Abuse. And I uh, definitely suggest you guys pick it up. But... Um, all this is to say is that it's not necessarily white people shit and it's also not necessarily impoverished shit because poverty is not found to be a risk factor and in fact it more commonly goes undetected in higher income families so when i read that i was just like okay so the issue isn't that it's going undetected the issue is that we're still going unprotected and also well i don't want to interrupt you, mm -hmm. you? Go ahead. also the other thing is like and you had said this like um Oh, I didn't, I wasn't aware that like there's such an overwhelming majority of women who are contributing to this, right? Mm -hmm. I was talking to somebody about the Cassie situation um, because I had reposted that one of a local Atlanta business shut down their event because of the allegations. Mm -hmm. And so she called me and she's like, oh my God, like you think this is really serious? Like I said, yeah, girl, this is a serious thing. And she's like, well, I don't get it. Like, why do people take so long to talk about sexual abuse? And like, you know, do you think that maybe this is just something I said? Okay, so I'm going to and sometimes you have to be able to have conversations with people instead of just immediately feeling like, girl, here you go. So I said to her, I said, this happened when she was 19. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, a lot of us don't know that we are being abused while we're being abused. So we think that this is just, a, especially if it's an older person. So we think that this is just something that's supposed to happen. It's normal. Um, or we try to suppress it so we don't talk about it. By the time we're getting triggers and traumas and nightmares and somebody who loves us touches us and then we freak out and all these PTSD things start happening, it's not until much later where we have language to put to what we've experienced that we're like hey this is wrong i think the same thing plays out in families it's the aunties that are calling your son their little boyfriends or the you know what i'm saying mm -hmm. like it's the oh he's so <clears throat> handsome when he gets such and such age you better watch out it's it's all of these things that we normalize in a lot of our communities as this is this is cool this is good that goes on as abuse that we just 
we don't put that language to it. But I think if a lot of us were to sit down and, and talk about some of these experiences, we would be able to look in and be like, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. That should not have happened. And there's also like the implication that you were complicit in it. Correct. Or you played a role in it or it is your fault or it is your responsibility to take on this thing. There are just so many factors that play into a child being groomed or a young person being groomed that make it difficult for them to understand what's going on right. or that it's just flat out wrong or mm-hmm. that they will be safe. Like in the pri- right. in the primary things that they will be safe mm-hmm. if they do say something. So, um, yeah, it it is it's a hard thing to talk about it is it says nearly 95 percent of the children under the age of 18 who have reported their abuse were abused by family members and acquaintances and it's so interesting to me I mean it's not but it is like to sit here and read it if I were on the outside looking in it would feel like something that is so sinister and it absolutely is but to be in it you see exactly how that happens Mm -hmm. you see exactly how it happens um, but yes, to, to get on more of the topic of what we were speaking on, about 14% of all child victims of sexual abuse are boys. Um, and homophobia obviously contributes to black families denying sexual abuse. Mm, oh, okay. So then I was wrong about the statistic earlier, but with homophobia contributing to black families denying sexual abuse, of those 14% of boys, only 20% of their abusers were women. So mm-hmm. for the boys who have been abused, the overwhelming majority of them have been abused by, by men. men. Um, but it doesn't take away from the fact that women do participate in yeah. sexual abuse, childhood sexual abuse at high 20 rates. is still a big rate for mm-hmm. us when we think about women who are involved people. in this. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think it's important to know that sexual abuse is not always about satisfying sexual urges. And I think this is where that homophobia come becomes, this is where people erroneously align homophobia with pedophilia. Um, because violence can be for violence sake. It can be for general abuse of power. So there is no evidence that says all of the men who participate in abusing young boys are doing it because they are part of the LGBTQ community or doing it because they have nowhere else to, to put their sexual advances. Um, and it's also important to note that it creates an even more complex situation for young boys who are queer, who are victimized, who are sought out for their apparent otherness because then they feel like they can't say anything because the queer aspect is they're they're socialized to believe that the queer aspect of their abuse is just as bad as the abuse itself. So they don't want to say anything. So we've really created, I won't even say we, but sex number one is a a crime of war. It's a crime of war. It's a crime of colonization. It's a tool of colonization these things were inflicted upon us, which I'll get into in the black history context. But all of these different isms informed by white supremacy, if we want to take it all the way back or not even too many steps back, but have created this really difficult crucible for victims of childhood sexual abuse to exist in and deal with and and work through because they have to be silent about it. Um, yeah. And on top of that, not only do they have to be silent about it, but also they experience these things in what feels like silence because they're isolated, because they are they are 
put backs up in a corner and in spaces where they they have nowhere else to go and when I saw this line about childhood sexual abusers themselves are more likely to operate in silence and isolation compared to adult sexual abusers I thought immediately about Jared from Subway I don't know if you guys have yeah. watched that uh, documentary. I believe it's on Amazon Prime. I could be lying, but it's it's available for you to watch. And it's hard to watch if you do choose to watch it. But his method was even getting a woman to isolating a woman that he was working with and then trying to make her let her kids be abused mm-hmm. by him he also went out of the country he also would isolate children that he went and spoke to for um sexual favors and then i thought about r kelly and how when we looked at surviving r kelly they always talked about how r kelly had somebody in the back of the bus or how r kelly had someone in the back room or doors were closed and all these things and it's it's really scary for young kids to be in places where the door has been closed and all they have any reference to anything is that they're in a room with an adult and more often than not an adult is always right or an adult has a power in a situation so i just wanted to say to that child sexual abusers thing also because that's something i think we often don't think about child sexual abusers versus adult sexual abusers i we could fight about it later i'm just gonna say it Stop letting your children watch your children. Stop forcing your children to watch your children. Because what I see happening a lot of times is that you're forcing these babies to grow up way too fast. You're putting them in these positions of power where they feel like they have to be just like you. And when they think that they have to be just like you, they start to think, what do adults do? Now they begin to formulate all kinds of ideas about, you know, well, I see mommy do this, or I've seen daddy do that, or I've seen auntie do this. And then I've just heard too many stories about what has happened during babysitting between children that makes it difficult because it's like, it's not like I'm telling an adult about another adult. That's my, my cousin or that's Mm -hmm. my, you know, like Mm -hmm. it becomes so much harder. And then now these are both children who are in an experience that it's, it's harmful to both of them. You know, like, and it's it's difficult for both of them to talk about. A lot of these stories grow, like, these kids grow up and never tell anybody what happened. Yeah, I mean, I think you think about the cycles of abuse, right? Yeah. Um, The first one's rage. The last one is extreme overprotection. And that's just Mm kind of how it goes. You know, I think that for me, when you think about what it means to be enraged and then land in overprotection, it sounds like you're coping, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm I'm trying to make this okay, and I think for a lot of us who deal with manipulation on a grand scale, me being a queer person who has navigated manipulation in a lot of ways, in a lot of forms, you you have to make what you're doing okay to exist. Because mm-hmm. if it's not okay, it's hard to exist, mm-hmm. right? And so I think likewise to abu- abusers, to your point, to the abuse, sorry, to your point earlier, Sim, about people waiting to, to tell, I have to stop coping first. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I wasn't, I, even with Cassie, for whomever, I've been trying to exist mm. and it took a lot for me to get to that point. And now I finally stopped existing and started to address and do the things and heal and blah, blah. And so now it's here. And I think to the point about it being young people on young people, I think I've always, I always say this when I get the chance and when it's relevant, but to me, the biggest gift you can give a young child is autonomy. Mm. And I think we don't give kids autonomy. Often we teach kids, which is why I don't believe in deference, which is why I, I, I'm still surprised I'm Greek. 
Because who? And I'm sorry, I play sports. I'm not into none of that. I'm not, I'm not into being treated mistreated because I'm a rookie, mistreated because I'm young. I'm not into none of that. Like, I don't know who said what, but I'm going to come here and get respected from day one. Or we can go in the back and handle it, but I'm never going to be disrespected. But I think my parents, not saying they did a lot of things right, they gave me a lot of autonomy as a kid. You know, and I watched kids who didn't have autonomy and how scary it looked for them. Mm. You know, because for me, adult says, Obayo, excuse me, my name is Obio. Mm-hmm. And I was confident about it. But there were kids who name was mispronounced and they would just say, it's okay. Or, you know, I, I don't want to rock the boat, you know, or they would just sit in misery almost because they did not want to rock the boat. And I think we have to t- allow kids to be able to speak up for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it starts at home. If they're, yeah. if you're silencing them consistently, if they can't talk back to you, if they can't explain themselves, if they can't have any agency over how they feel, what they desire. I watched this video and I'll be quiet after this. This mother, I forgot who, the, I forgot who the complete context, but basically her, her, she was making this meal for her son. And the son says, he sits at the table and doesn't want to eat it. And then she goes, she got, she almost gets upset. Like, I just spent all this time making this food for you. Eat the food. And he goes, Mommy, you never asked if I was hungry. Mm. And I think for her, it was like, her, and she said her initial mind was, I don't have to ask if you're hungry. <laughs> you know, I'm a parent. I'm, I, I decide when you're hungry. Mm. But then in that same breath, she said, if I start that cycle for him now, he's going to spend his entire life letting other people decide for him how he feels, mm. when he feels, how much of his feelings he can, act, he, he can interact with. And there's so many kids who are waiting on the cue to feel, and mm. especially young black boys waiting on the cue or the permission to feel, the permission to, like I said, this conversation was Jeezy. I want to hear, I don't want to hear you highlight the abuse. I want to hear you name the gender. I want to hear you name how it made you feel. I want to hear, let's go there, mm-hmm. right? But I don't think people still feel as though they had permission yet. Mm-hmm. Like, will I not be judged? Mm-hmm. Can I really release the shame? Mm-hmm. It's cute to say I was abused. I'm saying it's cute. Please hear me in, in spirit. Like you know, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know, I, I can say I was abused. I can say I dealt with this, dealt with that. But like, can we actually go into the nitty gritty of who I had to be in the midst of abuse? Correct. How small I felt. Mm-hmm. And I think so many black men, especially black boys, sorry, especially grow up feeling like whenever I feel small, I have to couple that with feeling really, 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 really big. Mm-hmm. Which is why we have so many young boys who navigate brute displays of masculinity after stuff like this happens mm-hmm. i'm gonna go to the complete opposite end of this of, this, of the like field mike tyson. like mike tyson like all, i'm gonna get a most most you no one's ever gonna try me again i'm a you know i'm you know, you know and it becomes this really vicious dangerous yeah cycle because we're not talking to our children about the fact that that didn't happen to you because you were weak or because you were small or because you were vulnerable. That that was not your fault. Mm-hmm. This person was sick. Mm-hmm. This was not on you. I remember, and I just recently had a conversation with my partner about some things that I had went through as a child. Mm-hmm. And because I, I tend to sometimes have a lot of that very much. I could do it myself. Don't worry about it. Oh, you uh, no, I got it. I got it. Don't worry. Because if I got this, y'all can't, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we sat down. We had a conversation. And I was telling him, I said, you know, 
when I was assaulted, one of the first things that were said to me from both parents had to do with the fact that this was kind of on me. Like, it was very much like, you know, you shouldn't have been such and such or what was you thinking, and you know, being around, whatever, whatever. Um, you keep this cute, keep this to yourself because what type of man would want to be with somebody? So I grew up always feeling like mm. it was me that put myself in that position. Mm. If I had not put myself in that position, I wouldn't have gone through this thing. It took a very long time for me to recognize, no, that shouldn't have been done to you. What were some of those things that helped you recognize? Having my child, mm. having my child. And like, so recently this happened like maybe a week ago or so I had yelled at Tristan. Now I don't yell at my baby. He's just, you know, very intelligent. And, and even if your baby not intelligent, you shouldn't yell at him. <laughs> <laughs> but my baby, as for me and my household, he's someone that you can talk to that for the most part, you know, we have a relationship where he understands like yeah. things. And so I yelled at him and I was like, Oh my God, I yelled at him. So I came to him and I was like, I'm sorry. Nobody should ever do that to you. But before, like after mommy apologizes to you, let me understand something. Has anybody ever yelled at you before? Hmm. And he was like, yeah, but you know, I, has anybody ever yelled at you before? And he's giving all these excuses as to like the people who've yelled at him, why they had to yell at him. Oh, they just wanted me to be strong. Oh, they just were frustrated with what I was doing. Oh, there was, I said, baby, nobody should ever yell at you. That's wrong. That is wrong. No one should ever speak to you in a way that makes you feel small or makes you feel attacked or is above speaking to you like a normal human being. If they are yelling at you, that's not because of what you did. That's because they don't know how to control their anger or their tone towards you. So in raising my son, I'm recognizing the things that happened to me when I was growing up and the perspective that it was brought to me with that was incorrect. You could be as macho as you want to be. But it's not gonna, that's not gonna be the thing that protects you from this never happening again. It's just that it's happened to you, so maybe your eyes are a little sharper or whatever, but but that's not. Do you think, sorry, what you No, think? go ahead. Do you think that parents are always oblivious to when their child is experiencing sexual abuse? Absolutely not. I, I, can you clean up your question? Parents who would care? Because there are parents who value a relationship with whomever the abuser is over their child's safety. Do you think there's also parents who value or who don't want to look at their child as an abused person? Because I'm thinking about, I had a neighbor who was what I call a mentor, a big brother, really. Super solid guy, never had anything inappropriate happen. Uh, maybe a few years ago. If you guys don't know, I don't talk about my mom that often, but we don't have the greatest relationship. Uh, we don't have a great relationship at all, actually. Anyways, long story short, she ended up telling me as an adult that she used to think that he was touching me, mm -hmm. right? Because we spent a lot of time together. He, he would throw me a couple of dollars to clean out his gutters, throw me a couple of dollars to do that kind of thing, work around his house, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and sure, let's go with that logic, right? I still went over there. You didn't intervene. Mm. But you thought he was touching me. You didn't, I'm 28 now. You thought he was touching me at 15. 13 years later, wasn't going to save nothing. I was being touched. I'm already touched now, girl. So I'm wondering if it's like I don't want to look at an abused boy. I don't want to, you know, I think, again, I think my mom battles with homophobia as well. So I think I wonder if that was 
ingrained in the whole like I don't want to touch it piece. I think, you know what I mean? I think I'll take it a step further is that they feel like it has it's shame to them or something to them. Like it means that I didn't do something right. Because they already know there's a million things they're not doing right. I'm not even going to give it that much. Some people are just so unhealed that they don't have it in them to care, period. They don't have it in them to be parents. They don't have it in them to be protected. Some people feel like because mm-hmm. they were never protected, who, who are you to deserve protection? Because protection was never modeled for them. How are they even supposed to begin with protection? So I think anything's possible. I think there can be a parent yeah. who doesn't want to view their child as an abused victim and doesn't want to engage in a parent who's super uncomfortable, a parent who's shamed none of it's okay correct yeah none of it is permissible none of it i mean i'm not saying that you think that it is i'm just saying like all of it all of it is a product of of generational curses and i mean and that sounds like I, i know black enthusiasts love to bring up a generational curse or breaking a generational curse but when it comes to something like this, how parents deal with protecting their children is informed about how they were or were not protected. And people can change. People can shift and grow. And to your point about getting permission, I think that that was so poignant for you to say. And I need for vulnerability to not be the indicator for you to step in. Because there can be parents who you said something to, who know, who may not know how to deal with it, who may not have dealt with it to you personally. But when you break down, that's when everybody's alarmed. That's when, oh, let's yeah. let's do something. Oh, that's when we put someone in therapy. Like, yeah. I've, I felt so, the little girl in me felt so warm by you having a, a conversation with your son. Has anyone ever done this to you before? Like, let's talk about it. And for you to say that you've never yelled at him, he's seven. That's seven years of you not yelling at him. And that seven years that he could have been yelled at by somebody else. And like, it could be too late, but you wanted to have a conversation anyway, like as a mom. So, um, yeah, parents got to do better. I wonder if they know the fullness of what sexual abuse is. Cause I think about myself, I've never been touched. Uh, I'll be quick. Um, I, I went to an SAT prep course when I was in high school, and it was in the West End. And if you guys are from Atlanta, you know you, West End Indian Creek is a, is a bit of a journey uh, on the train. Mm-hmm. And so I – it's a journey. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, – my dad dropped me off, and my mother was supposed to pick me up. She opted not to and wasn't answering the phone. So I went to the uh, – Gas station asked the guy if he can give me a couple couple one dollar bills because you know you got they ain't giving you change in bills they give you change in quarters in in train stations here I don't know how it works other places but long story short he gives me a couple dollars I get on the train I don't have enough money for a transfer to get on the bus to go home so it's like they were in the little the little cage looking jumps the people who work there and I asked the guy I was like hey I don't have any money but like you know can I can you help me out he pulls his penis out. And he looks at it and looks at me and was like, yeah. So I was like, yeah, nah, okay, bet. So I walked home, right? <laughs> Maybe like two and a half, three hours later. And it's funny because I don't know if you guys follow me on social media, but back in the day, I'm like, I'm like a year ago, because it was warm, I would go on these long walks. And everybody's like, you better than me, welcome hell, I'm home. But I, I, I told myself that, I don't know, while I was walking, but at the end of the walk, the three-hour three walk I, I went on, that was the first time I chose to walk 
a long mm-hmm. distance. I didn't have mm-hmm. to walk. No one put me in a predicament to have to be walking. So I got home. Mom was at the house, and I tell her, I was like, um, I told her, told her what happened. She goes, you look behind me. And I go to my room, and we never brought it up again. And a piece of me just kind of pushed it off, right, because it wasn't a thing. I was like, whatever, you know, cool. She acted like it wasn't nothing. I'm acting like it wasn't nothing, too, I guess, because it ain't nothing. I would think she would know what something is. She's a girl, adult. But I wonder if parents know... <clears throat> just like the fullness of what sexual assault, sexual abuse, um, triggers, just all that thing is for kids, man. Cause I think if we make these things normal. And that's what I was going to say. I think a lot of parents do know. I can be candid and just kind of talk about my relationship with my mom. Um, my mom was also, she wasn't abused as a child, but she was sexually assaulted when she was an adult. Mm-hmm. And, of the times that I experienced encounters or things that didn't feel good and I said something to my mom about it and she just kind of said okay or like moved on about it like I didn't know until I was a late teenager that she ever did anything or said anything because she didn't talk to me about it she talked to whomever about it Um, but I was assaulted again in 2016 as an adult and I remember coming home oof Sorry. Mm-hmm. I remember coming home because I wasn't living with my mom at the time. And she was getting my brother ready for school. And she kept looking at me like, are you okay? Like, what's what's going on? And I was just like, somebody hurt me, mom. And she had to take my brother to school. And she came back. And she already knew what I was talking about. And I'm 21 years old. And she says, it's okay. I've experienced this too. And I've known you for 21 years. I didn't know that. So I think a lot of parents do know what it is, but trauma has been so normalized for them because they've had nowhere to put it. Mm -hmm. That's good. They've had, again, they have no semblance or model for what being there for or protection looks like, but they do know what it feels like to be able to absorb it and move on. And they expect or they know that it's possible for you to absorb it and move on. And they might not know. <clears throat> and they might not know <clears throat> what it's like to be healed. But in their minds that they are okay. They're okay right now today. I am I am an adult. I, as an adult who experienced all these things, am okay. And I know my child will be okay as well. As, no, as long as no one is physically harming them right now, in this moment, this is something that I know they can tuck. It's something that I've tucked. And a lot of healing needs to take place. A lot of healing needs to take place. And I wish I could offer more than parents have to do better. And I don't even mean that in speaking to my own parents because you know me and my parents have worked through mm-hmm. what we've been through and i know that they did what they knew best and all i can think of for jeezy <clears throat> for cassie for myself for sim all of us experienced these things at a time where there was no room at all to have a platform to have a voice for someone to do something about it in a meaningful way yes we, they, we there are 
people who had these really phenomenal parents and these amazing experiences where they did feel like mom and dad put on a cape and saved them, but these things are few, far, and in between. And today, the reason why it takes Cassie, who was abused like this when she was 19 and for years to say something now in her adulthood, is because the sphere of influence she was in did not give her a voice. Yes, she's just trying to exist. Yes, she's trying to cope, all these things. And also, she did not have room to have a voice. And people just don't understand. And it, it just feels like people don't recognize that the 2023 where, <laughs> where, <laughs> a 2023 where a gay influencer with 100,000 followers can get on a podcast, with a pan influencer, with a heteronormative relationship can get on a podcast where a girl, a black girl who's just a girl can get in a parking lot and amass a following of 742,000 people who care about an inclusive black conversation that did not exist. That is new, that is fresh, that is empowering for people who didn't have this, had, didn't have these people to even look to, to hear on a podcast, to be a light for them. It is all new and it's fresh and people are gonna keep coming out about things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I just take a second to say something to the person list, people listening? Um, like, like, like you deserve to express yourself, mm. and and it's a big period at the end of that. I, I don't. I wish I had better language in this moment because these are real time thoughts. But you deserve. I don't know that I always thought that I deserved to express myself. I think mm. I thought that certain moments call for expression, but I don't know that I thought that it was safe everywhere. And I think if it's not safe, then you shouldn't be in that environment and if you can mm-hmm. change that environment I would suggest doing so mm-hmm. um, I know that there's some nuance when you're a minor I know there's nuance to all the things but you, I don't want it to become normal the lack thereof of opportunity to express yourself because I think expressing yourself is probably a, a, not, it's really important you know mm-hmm. um, I, I'm listening now because I blocked out so much of my childhood that I, I can't even really recount so many, but so many things but I think a lot of that is because of the internalized shame um, and just wanting to cope with that to move on with my life, you know, and just kind of letting things, letting whatever happened happened, happen and move on. But I, I want to encourage anybody listening right now that you know you you deserve to express yourself, and and you have the right to go back and express things from ten years ago, fifteen mm-hmm. years ago, twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. You have the right to express yourself fully. It is not expired if it's in your spirit. You can express it. Period. I just, I, I just hate that there's so many envir- so many moments that a lot of us have been through that we internalize it happened to us. I think victim shaming is one of the worst things you can do to a person, and it happens so simply. Mm-hmm. I say this often, but if I leave my iPad in the front seat of my car and someone breaks in and steals it, I'm the wrong one. Why was it in your car? Why would you leave it in the front seat? You know people can see it. Not why would they not come into my, my vehicle that didn't belong to them? Mm-hmm. And likewise to so many other people. What were you wearing? How were you enticing him? What did you say? Why? Why weren't you more stern? Why weren't you? Why didn't you speak up at the moment? Well, you know all these things, and it's just not fair. It's really, really unkind and mean, in my opinion. And I hope that especially, especially for the young boys, especially for the young queer boys, because to your point, Lene, this is new. Having a gay black man able to advocate and, and speak out loud for people, and I know so many gay black men who were molested. Um, young by fathers, pastors, and all the things. 
and have just internalized that shame because they don't want to be a scarlet letter in the community. They want to be one of the good gay people who haven't experienced that. And I wasn't in touch and I was, I didn't come to my identity in this way. Likewise, the women who were touched by women, right? Like, what does this mean to my sexual orientation? And I think mm. it's beautiful that you were still able to arrive at chores on there where you didn't feel, I don't know, I, I don't want people to speak too loud for you, but you know, That's just fine. still being able to, you know, figure yourself out in that way. But I think so many young gay boys, or young boys who are touched by men, and again, just running from their feelings from then on out because they're afraid of what that could possibly mean for them as people. Mm. It just sucks. So again, especially for the young black gay boys, men, who are listening, man, you deserve the right to express yourself. Um, sincerely. I just want to say this and then I will shut up. <laughs> you had asked the question about um, whether or not parents understand the fullness of the experience of sexual abuse. And to a couple of the things that you guys spoke about after, it made me think about, um, I don't think most people understand the fullness of sexual violence. Um, it is a thing that happens to a person and it, it, it fills up their entire lives almost forever. Um, it changes the way that you are able to be vulnerable. It changes the way that you look at people. It changes the way that you feel about yourself. Um, and I don't expect everyone to understand it, right? But because it's so common, I think that something that really has to happen is that even for the parents who do not understand, you really got to take yourself out of it and try to be a listening ear to the people who even, because we don't want to have this conversation, right? To the people who know that you are sick, that you have a problem, that you have whatever it is going on whether that's just like thoughts in your head or desires that you know are not okay get the help because this this one moment that you allow that to play into a real thing that becomes someone else's experience it doesn't just end after it happens it's the reason why so many of us are talking about these things 20 30 40 years after it doesn't go away Mm. it's You got to think about it like that is the most vulnerable part of you. It's a thing that we should be allowed to choose. Mm. I just want to get through this because it's important. A sexual experience with you is something that you should have the choice to allow someone else to participate in. It's not something that should be taken from you. And um, to the people that continue to have these conversations and share these stories, I applaud it. I appreciate it because I pray that one day we will be able to get to a place in our society where this is not so common, where something like this happens and someone is able to say, oh, my goodness, what? How could that happen? Because it's so it's too common right now. There's too many people that think that they can take that experience from others and then there's too many people that think that it is it's a normal it's a thing that happens um it's a thing that gets pushed under the rug so they're not taking it seriously and then now it's fabricated into our culture that's insane so yeah thank you for sharing that Mm -hmm. i really appreciate that sincerely yeah um don't really know how to end this. I think it's important to put 
to put it all into perspective that black people historically have not had bodily autonomy. And that has been a weapon to mm -hmm. keep us subdued and at bay for generations. And like many things, we have turned outward violence in on our own communities and um, use those same tools as weapons against one another. And it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing when your body faces violence yeah. in any form or fashion. If you've ever broken a bone, if you've ever been in a fight, if you've ever stubbed your toe on a bed corner. Hello. <laughs> it is a um, full body experience and how you deal with the pain. It is something altogether different for anyone who has ever experienced it for your innermost parts to be violated. And um, we deserve to be protected. So, yep. See y'all next week. Is there a heart? Is there a heart in the house tonight? Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> this is this hard for me. <laughs> okay.